for example? For example, if you're like um, in the West and you find in yourself to be lonely and less supported by a community that doesn't exist, maybe something is missing from your life, you're not feeling your true inner happy self, then I think places like this will help you to be in nature somewhere with your community and people will help you at least be in, on a level of finding what, what needs to be done in your life. you're thinking it sounded so peaceful this is the feeling that i had during my trip to nala when i was surrounded by these sounds all day and all night shlomo everyone it's jesse and i hope you had a wonderful start into the syrian new year today we're going to listen to ashu kasrani from the beautiful nala valley in iraq we sat down together and discussed many interesting topics that are dealing with the questions why is it important to connect to your ancestors and the homeland and what does it mean to discover your inner self and a lot more. Since most of us are home and social distancing to keep our loved ones safe, I hope this episode will trigger certain thoughts and questions within you and you can use this time of solitude to dive deep and listen to your soul. Lastly, support for this week's episode of the Serum Podcast is brought to you by Tony Caracas and the injury lawyers of Illinois and New York. If you know anyone that has been in a serious accident, please reach out to Tony Caracas. Tony has been recognized as a top 40 lawyer and a rising star by Super Lawyers Publication and has obtained multiple multi-million dollar awards. Tony can be reached at injuryrights.com or 847 982 9516. And now, let's go to Nala. So everyone, I am sitting right now with Asho Kasrani in his beautiful home in Nala. I'm surrounded by Assyrian patterns, fabric, uh, beautiful stones, and sitting on a very nice made rock. Asher, you're a special person, in my opinion. You're living a local life here in Nala, but there's really much more about you. And people would say you're living an unconventional life as an Assyrian, how we know it or how the people in the West know it. Can you tell me how this all began? Tell me about your upbringing. Gushuraya, Kabul and Nakhshana, as is the Jesse. How it besim Taraba, Katskelach Ayadana, Katodet Ayat Pachtaman. Oh, hang on. Is this the Assyrian podcast where, <laughs> where we don't speak Assyrian? Oh, fair enough. Okay. Right. Well, I'm glad I inserted some Assyrian words in there. Thank you so much for paying us a visit every now and then here in Nala. 
Uh, you're a wonderful sister that we always feel great uh, to be surrounded by your incredible, energetic, magical presence. So uh, always welcome, you and whoever is listening. Always welcome here in Nala. Thank you so much. Um, yes, did you ask about... Was any How question? did this unconventional life of Asho Kasrani begin? Well, this is interesting the way you call it unconventional. To me, it's pretty like basic, really simple. But we have learned to accumulate so many things in life and just add to ourselves based from pressure of the society. You got to have your driver's license and you got to have your bank account and you got to have your home address and you got to have your car. And So if you don't have any of these, I think you end up being labeled as unconventional to the way we have learned things, I yes. guess. To me, it's pretty simple. It's pretty basic life, really, if anything. Um, dealing with everyday basic necessities. Like this kind of lifestyle that I'm living today has been going on like this for the last 10 years, at least. Yes. If not a little bit longer. Um, before that... It was slightly more different when I used to travel around the world and perform and do magic shows and poetry and comedy nights. As a magi magician? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to travel around the world as a performing magician and do shows. How did that start? Uh, it started um, magic. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. I mean, I don't remember exactly how it started, but I've always been interested in the performing arts uh, since I was a kiddie, so my interest in magic and writing poetries and songs, things like that, started since a very young age. Maybe when I was like seven, eight, or maybe ten. I saw first magician in my life when I was ten here in not Nala, but in Dohok. Wow. Yeah. So unconventional. Back to the unconventional life. The way I see it is pretty normal really because it's it's very nature driven life you know yeah. i deal with nature all the time like as much as possible wherever i am is usually either by the beach or in the mountains or in the woods chopping wood and carrying water and doing these kind of things every day from my perspective i would see this other life this other life is unconventional the life of you have to have this and that yeah. and you gotta buy this and you gotta work to make money to be able to do this and this and this this is i find that oh so like hectic really it's so demanding you know no time for the self and being discovering the true inner self being locked in nature or being freed in nature this is what I aim for, really. So there's no wrong and right in this or that. It's just matter of perspective and matter of what everybody's used to or what everybody knows or what everybody knows better. Or, exactly. Yeah. And you were not born here in Nala and you didn't grow up here. You were born in Duhuk. You're Asho Kasrani from Nala. But originally, you're not from Nala. What's the whole story about that? Yeah, I was born, as you rightly said, in Dohok, Nuhadra. I grew up in Nuhadra until the age of like 16. That's when we left. That's when my family left the country. And Nala are all my family and relatives. When we left Hakkari, the year of 
22, some say 21 or 23. Is anything between 21 to 24 we arrived in Nala? After the genocide. After the genocide, the First World War. My family, direct uh, grandparents, my father's grandparents, they settled in some other village called Meristic, is nearer to Ahmedia and Sapna and these places. Mm -hmm. So they didn't come to Nala. And my mother's family settled in Berwer, in Dure. So today, most of my family are here, relatives, like my, my family's family, live in Nala. So when I came back looking for more rural nature, villages to live and, and be around, I thought Nala, Nala where all my family is really, all, all the relatives, all the remaining relatives and family. Yes. So, and it's an amazing place, as you can see. So, when I first came to Nala, I just never left. I decided I'm just going to stay here. So, I've been, like, coming back to Nala. And each year becomes more. So, I was coming first three, four months, and then became six months, 11 months. And and you came back from, you went from Duhuk always to Nala, or you were living somewhere else? No, no, traveling around Europe, North America, and coming back to Nala. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I, I rarely live in Dohok or Erbil. Like, I rarely even visit, really. Like, it's maybe once a year, sometimes twice a year, but that's about it. And you experienced the Western lifestyle when you were abroad? Yeah, I lived more than half of my life in, in the West, mainly uh, Europe, UK, and Greece. You never got stuck into this whole uh, society circle, working from nine to five. Uh, you were never really attracted to that. Um, well, it's not within my nature, really. Like, I never ever worked nine to five. That wasn't an option. I did other kind of work, like my own kind of work, which is, I just told you, performing as an artist. But that too, I was in a way slave to my diary, you know, I had to be in this place doing this show at this date and I got to be in this country for this date and I can't be here because I have to be here and I can't do this because I have a gig and I can't. So this, after a while, it became really difficult. I, I like to be free, even living a basic life and being free better than living a, a complicated life and having a lot of resources available, you know. So I slowly, slowly started making it less and less to the point of just giving it up. I don't perform anymore. I don't perform uh, in, a, in, in, in a formal way. You can't book me to come and do a show for yes. you. But I, I do perform here and there when we do our own events. Uh, we recently did an open mic event with Nina Blamaso and friends. The poetry. Uh... Poetry nights in Erbil. Uh, yeah, at opportunities, you know, when there's an opportunity to be on stage or just by a fire, mainly by fires, actually, at gatherings, festivals. Yes. Yeah, I, I do that. I'm going to touch course. on the poetry part later, because sure. I think that's a really interesting part about you. Just quickly, um, when you were living your young teen life in Dohok, and then you went to Greece and you traveled around the world... And being in the UK, what brought you back to Nala? Like you just wanted to visit family or what brought you back to the homeland? 
Well, there is two separate events that made me come back. You, the first one, the first one, which is the most important one, obviously, because until that point, I didn't have in mind to be back anytime soon. I, I always deep in my heart had that one day I will be back, and these are the words of my father who passed away 10 years ago he always said one day will we go we will go back when when our country is better because we were when we were here when we left it wasn't as safe and it was as, during the saddam uh, it was just uh, yeah it was still during the saddam era but here in the north 1991 was liberated from saddam really so it was the kurds that took over but it wasn't as um, as easy living as today, really. It was straight, just recovering from bits and of, of, of war and things like that. So I always wanted to come back one day. But I hadn't expect to come back as early as I did when I came back 2009 because my father passed away in Greece. At that time, I was in the UK. It was four days before I fly to USA. I was booked to do a big show starting from Hollywood. I was going to land in California and do shows around the USA, Nevada desert, Las Vegas, Chicago, New York, these kind of things. No way. I had friends who had organized for this tour to happen. And four days before I fly, I received a call that my father passed away in Greece that night. So the next morning I flew to Greece, um, cancelled the tour, obviously, and started uh, working on the paperwork of my father to bring him back here and bury him where he was born, in, in Nohatra, Mahalat Shele in particular. That was the first time that I'd come back and, see, and seen the country after we'd left and then I didn't come back uh, four years I came back four years later because I still had to go back and tie the loose ends and do what was left like yeah. I, was, I, I had a great idea what was happening here though I only stayed for two weeks I dealt with my father's death and did the funerals and the cultural traditions um, then in 2013 I came back again this time was to live here, to, to stay long, to explore. And then it became living here longer each year to the point, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to be, it will be two years in March since I've been here last time. So it's what, a year and, year and uh, seven months now, yeah. eight months. And this name, the great Kasrani, <laughs> it's actually tied to your role as a magician but now people know you as the great Kasrani from Nala and sometimes for a short they call me hey the great what's up the great <laughs> that, that is so beautiful uh, basically the great Kasrani because as a magician there was like the, the great Houdini or the amazing this uh, the, 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 the term the great or the amazing is used in, in the magic world and I said maybe no one was calling me great so I called myself great Aha. basically just that the great Kasrani has no particular meaning Kasrani has Kasrani is potentially could be Kasrani which is our tribe from Hakkari Ibn Qasra oh, interesting. Ibn Matha we are from the village 
the descenders of the palacers, so they built palace-like houses in the village. So we are Mnematha, Qasrani, which uh, in English became Kasrani with a K. Yeah. And as I said, it suits a magician like um, Hadi Houdini, Max Malini, Tony Slidini, so I was Kasrani with an I. That's it really, it's just a, it's just a name to, to be recognized within a certain chosen arena or field. Got it. Yeah, and but also represents the tribe, really, where, where I come from. Like here in, there's many Kasranis here in Nala. So when a Kasrani sees another oh, I Kasrani. Know yeah, there's like three Kasrani villages here in Nala. And there is uh, another village, which is, two villages, um, Nela Gippa, which is Kehafi, we call them, from the, the, the cavers. And this Kashgawa has everything in it. Kasrani, Kehafi... Belati, Zawiti, Minyanish, all the five Assyrian tribes around here. That's very interesting. The Tiari tribes, yeah. I found a quote on the internet about you, and you said... I felt I am needed here in the community to share knowledge and observations that will help to empower the youth and the community in general, and also to connect with the land and the spirit of our ancestors. What is that all about? What do you mean by that? Basically, sharing knowledge, I mean sharing what I have learned, sharing what I have researched, sharing what I think, think uh, to be a good thing of sharing plus sharing observation I I am into observing and learning from a direct observations of, of what is and that has always kept me kept me going in life I guess I've always shared knowledge of the ancient wisdom from moons and stars and fire and direct DNA enfoldment, sharing it with my community wherever I am. And this empowers them to empower me, to empower them, because I don't want to put a separation between them and I, me and them. We're all one, really. And as much as I think about empowering the community, maybe I mean the community empowering me because it's such a power to come and mix with a community that's already established. Yeah. I feel helped, you know, uh, healed. I feel power. I feel incredible connection. So it's on both, both ways. You bring your skills and you're helping them, but really they help you too. Well, in bringing your skills and helping them, it's helping yourself at the same time, you know, without being like, I'm here to help myself or I'm here to help them. It happens. It happens. After a while, you, you, you really don't have a way to pinpoint what happens and how does it happen. If you go to a community and you see a job needs doing and you do it because you don't wait for someone else to do it. Uh, you see what's necessary and you think it's your duty, you must do it. You feel it's your duty. Yes. Then this thing is amazing. That's, that's how communities thrive and go forward. I'm learning more and more about how our 
ancestors could have been. Yes. From living in an Assyrian community, um, sharing duties, helping one another. It doesn't have to necessarily be physical or uh, mental or anything. It, it just the pre- presence matter a lot. Just by being here, you're helping yourself and others. Just by being here. Let alone if you say to someone, in the morning, the first thing first, everybody honors and appreciates the other one's presence. People get so happy when you visit them, when, yes. you, when you go inside their homes and these things are so amazing to eat and drink with people. But Asher, for example, I, I grew up in the West. I have my job, I have my responsibilities. I believe in Jesus. Why do I need my ancestors? I'm here now. This is my life now. I'm not looking back. Look to the future and work towards it. Why do I have to remember my ancestors? Why do I have to connect with them? What is this whole, I'm going to call it hocus pocus. <laughs> <laughs> call it abracadabra. Abracadabra, that's even a Syrian word. So, really? Ab- yeah, abracadabra. Abracadabra. Wow. Yeah. How, why do I need that? Like, I'm this Western typical person. Teach me. Convince me. Well, it's not about teaching you. Uh, fair enough. Such an amazing question, actually. What do you mean by ancestral wisdom? What do you mean by connecting with the ancestors? What do you mean ancestors? Why do they matter? It's all about here and now, progressive. How can we go forward? Well, there's a lot of sayings in different cultures that they say, if you want to know your future, you better know your past. Something like that. Like The more you know your past, the better you can direct or pinpoint your future or, or head toward your future. But if we were to take this principle more inwardly, let's, let's, let's dig deep inside of us and, and find our root within the self, where are we rooted and... Um, and then see who we are. I was always interested to see who we are as human, as humanity. Where did we come from? What are we here for? And where are we going? These questions, I find them so interesting. And if you're into history, and especially ancient history, you will see that our ancestors, the Assyrian, have done so many incredible things. For example? Like from, from basic things of documenting knowledge of even further, more ancient civilizations, to like the astrology, for example, the knowledge of stars, the prayer, the connection with the sun, the fire, the water, the burning of incense, the candles, the life in general, really. They have opened so many different portals for investigations to find out what could we learn from this life that we live in today. And we being the descendant of these amazing discoveries, in a way it's a duty for us to keep them going or share them with the with the wider A lot of people would say burden too. There's a lot of burden too, of course. Thousands of years of, of, of burden of cultural inheritance that we accumulate but again it's a matter of how do we navigate through everything and and put best perspective and positive outlook on everything and express it like we would still be 
happy to have been a Syrian all along, no matter what we've been through, really. So when we think of our ancestors, they were people, surely. Where were they living? Here. So we are here. They were here. This is great start. What were they doing? Uh, probably they were farming. Probably they were hunting. Probably they lived in mud and wooden houses and mountains. Probably they made fire. Probably they prayed. Probably like how, 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 what do they do and why? And how and why, how and why? The more we can find how and why our ancestors did think and we become in tune with, the more grounded we feel in our in our environment, in our community, and we can push this thing forward more sustainably. Like before we be uh, working on how to get a country, how to create these incredible things, let's start within the self. Like how do we make ourselves better? How do we realize who we are? How important it is to know about our ancestors' work and, and legacy. What is what is within us that is direct result of us being a Syrian? Like, that's the thing, no matter how much we grow up in Europe and travel around the world and things, there's always the resin inside of us that that is that is something that we can relate to more, potentially. The more in touch with the self we get, the more we realize there's something within us that's maybe not as compatible as we originally thought with 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 this other life around us, really. That's yes. how I see it. I feel much more comfortable in nature and dealing with wild things on a daily basis than I was to be in a city, whether it's London, Berlin, or Dohok, or Erbil. Yes, but the person in the West who doesn't want to give up the West, but also want to be connected with our ancestors, wants to be connected with the homeland. How can they find a balance? And a lot of times on social media, you're talking about unlocking memories. Mm. What do you mean by that? And how does that help me in my daily life? I'm a Western person. I'm right now here in the homeland. But for sure, I'm going to go back. How do I keep the bridge? How do I keep the not losing the ties to the ancestral soil? By unlocking mem memories, I mean awaken memories, really. There is, there is something in us tied to the lineage that we come from. Within these ties, there is, there is memory. That's why sometimes we remember, or sometimes you see a situation, you will think that you have seen this situation before. You remember this thing. You remember this to have happened to you in the past. So that's the crystallization of whatever conscious tapping we're tapping into, unfolding in us. So by unlocking memory, that's why people meditate, people go into deep uh, astral trance and to discover connection with the stars, with the greats who've come before us and those who've come with us and those who will come after us. Uh, people who've seen the beginning, middle and end to everything. They were constantly aware of everything around them. People who talk to rocks and people who talk to water and people who talk to trees and uh, plants of different sorts. Being in Europe and not wanting to forget this 
it's that's too it's possible you know it's just like you hold into what's inside of you on a daily basis ideally you know a daily practice of maybe a cold shower making fire carrying water uh, service hospitality to others being of service yeah, and all the trades that our ancestors are known for you know yes this is a great tool to use to keep us going it's fine if you have to and you feel you're uh, tied to the lifestyle you've chosen in Europe. Uh, bear in mind, nothing's permanent. Everything can change at any given minute. And not just because a certain society or a certain system has imposed itself on us since we were children. And it goes, this is it and there is no other way. Just because it's so solid, it doesn't mean it's truth, really. There's so many. You've traveled around the world and you've seen how one culture believed to be solid and there is nothing, no no alternative, other culture yeah. will laugh at it. So there is a lot of moves and, and ways that one can liberate themselves from from whatever society imposes. A lot of things that you mentioned are like physical practices. Is that how to, is that your idea of how to practice being an Assyrian? Is that your definition of an Assyrian? Not really, not really, no. There's no such thing as one definition for being Assyrian. That's what I think, yeah. obviously. Some people would say dancing Chigga on Saturday, going to church on Sunday. All of And some people will say none of that. Mm. None of that makes you Assyrian, really. Because when we think of a, of a location, location comes with people, people come with... Uh, language, communication, communication comes with mentality, mentality comes with relationship, relationship comes, like one thing is tied to another, experience, experience comes with accumulating knowledge, knowledge comes with acting upon that knowledge. I don't practice these things to be Assyrian, neither I practice these things because I'm an Assyrian, I don't think about it that way. What I think about it, though, when it comes to connecting that with Assyrian, like waking up in the morning and taking a cold shower before sunrise and making a fire <laughs> and burning tobacco on the sunrise and doing the water prayer with the water before shower and then cooking, sharing with others. This is a community living, wild community living if you're if you're living outdoors especially in the summer this is what i remember that i have done it before like i've re i remember this is done before by me or something inside of me like i feel i'm my father and i'm my grandfather and i'm my grand-grandfather like little bit of each one of them lives within me i can see it like yeah. i i have come to realize and recognize that it it doesn't make me a syrian but it makes me more more Assyrian than I would have normally be. This is how I see, like, we're, we're Assyrian anyway. So it, it's a way of life and it's a practice. The more you do something, the more you become it, the more it becomes you. The more you plant and, and, and work with the land, the soil, give and take, the more of a farmer you become. So this is, this is how I see it. The practices won't necessarily make you what you are, but practicing them makes you realize who you are. That's powerful. So me being in the West, 
one time in spring, one time in summer, I'm going to go back to the homeland mm. and have a great time with people, meet them. So what, is, what, is, what should someone do when they visit? If I go to a place, let's say I'm coming here, if I come here and do the things I do in London, or I could have done in London, then what is the point, especially if I have a limited time here? So coming to Athra, let's see, what is the true characteristic Athra thing that doesn't exist somewhere else that I could have done? What is, what is my Athra all about? What are my people all about? Where do, where do I experience more of an ancient vibe of the ancestors? To me, usually it's out in nature, villages. Here in this particular place, basically, uh, villages is where it's all at. If you were... If you wanted to have a flavor of what our ancestors used to live like, like see the woman baking the bread and see the farmers and the, see the cows rural living. Yeah, this is, this is where I feel, I feel at home really, deep in my heart and in, in my surroundings. You could go to, like you said, restaurants in Erbil and Dahok, but that's just, um, just a city. Like it does exist everywhere else. I'm, I'm not a city person. Maybe that's too much for me. But someone mm-hmm. else, it's still better to be in a city in your country than a city somewhere else. Maybe. True. <laughs> Maybe that's... Um, but it's good to go everywhere, really good to go everywhere. And but in terms of connecting with the ancient ways of the ancestors lived, like closer to it at least, is the villages. Is the villages where you go to the villages and you see uh, how people are living. And that's the result of how the people before them lived because our country had people and the people had their lives and they, these lives were uh, self-sustainable. They created everything by themselves from their wear to their food, everything basically. Asha, you uh, collaborated with Kishru. You made an open field workshop with them and it was written, it was about reflection, meditation, and revival on the land of past and present Assyria. Can you tell me more about this? How, how did that look like? Well, this year, um, in okay. spring, this year when Gishru came, and they do come every year, and I've been hanging around with Gishru, they are amazing people. I proposed we do something here in the hills of Nala that was a talking circle, really. I facilitate for that to happen. Made a circle, we made a sacred fire in the middle, and we had a talking stick that's still here, that talking stick. Oh, I see it, yeah. And it was, in a way, getting to know one another, getting to know the environment around you and practice a little bit from, again, the work of the ancestors. You know, our ancestors used to sit by fires and talk and solve issues and bring out their concerns. So that's what we did. And the talking stick goes from one person to the other and whoever's got the talking stick does the talking and who ever doesn't have the talking stick does the listening so you have to listen and there would be deep giving and taking basically in such a level that some people were emotional and saw the the, the necessary things in being here and w- w- what are the necessary steps to take when they go back home and what 
were the things they need changing in their lives and so on. So it was incredible, really. I do things, I do these things quite a lot, but I'm never with Assyrians. This was the first time. Oh, really? They're yeah. foreigners. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. Tell me we, about this. Yeah, we do this a lot. Uh, um, this is a rainbow, rainbow circle tradition, you know. Uh, we do this in rainbow gatherings around the world where we all sit by the fire and eat together, drink together, and then we're going to host a talking circle whereby the stick goes from one person to the other and you just open your heart and tell it as you feel it or ask for advice or share some concerns or whatever it is that you want to say there will be no judgment no um it's basically a safe method of giving and taking and empowering yourself in the presence of others you know like holding space people are here to love you and hug you and hold space for you while you deal with an issue if you might have or just bring out the love and and be kind and allow into your environment it went down really well and everybody loved it me included it was amazing and i hope to do this more with other people too and it's a great place to do that in all i mean you've been here the last few days we've been doing it by the yeah, fire it's, it's such a beautiful component when you when you go to the homeland and you're not just visiting organizations or visiting projects but also just go in nature and have have the time to reflect and all the emotions just flowing i think that that is a moment where you really grow and thank you so much for doing this with us well thank you thank you i don't see myself uh, to have done anything as we say in assyrian ladaqra you know there's so much more that needs to be done and we all have a part of the responsibility or the duty really I did mention earlier it doesn't have to be physical it doesn't have to be mental it just have to be conscious conscious effort and awakening that we we somehow need to work for ourselves for our people well for our people let's say and we part of our people so for ourselves so the better you become if you're conscious and tied to your people, the better your people are becoming. Yeah. So improving the self, developing the self while tying the self to the community constantly is, is improving the community. So that's why it's so important that we understand our culture. We, we learn about our culture just like we learned and we understood how to become a doctor, how to become an engineer, how to become a writer. It's also important to learn about our culture. What has our culture been through? Where is our culture headed, heading if we remain like this? Or what are the changes needed within our culture? What kind of methods, what kind of relationships and skills and capabilities that we have to bring together in order to create something new something different something uh, extraordinary way of of living as uh, with integrity and honor to honor those who've come before us really i mean we have so much around us that we haven't even tapped into yet you know growing up in the diaspora and in the west 
has influenced for us not to be so in touch of our roots with our roots and growing up here as well it doesn't necessarily mean we're in touch with our roots because of what you said earlier society as imposed in the schooling system and, yeah. and, and the way things are but really to us is a self-responsibility it's a self-duty for each one of us to work harder at finding what do we need to do like a few years ago i found it super necessary for me to learn how to read and write assyrian because I thought if I don't read and write it, then my kids probably wouldn't read and write it. And if they didn't, then it's more difficult, you know. If I did, that doesn't necessarily mean my children will, but it's easier. I can at least teach them. I can make that my plan to learn how to read and write and teach it. So I've done a little bit of improvements in the last few years. So I'm slightly better, but I still need to work on it. Constantly working on making... Yeah making uh, a Syrian and learning about it and this part of part of a daily living. So working on the self empowers automatically also the people around you, your community. That's what you Yeah, if you're connected to them on a deep level, yeah, it's like if I help my community, I'm helping myself because I'm part of this community. Yes. And if I help myself, I'm helping my community because I'm part of this community. So the the, the goodness of me will eventually be spread and, and rubbed on in the community. Where do you get your knowledge from? Are you reading a lot of books about us? No, 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 no. I used to read a lot of books, yeah. I do have a library, but it's packed up in boxes somewhere. <laughs> My knowledge comes from really just like observation and day in, day out of waking up before sunrise and cold showers and dealing with nature and fire and stargazing. And this is where I get my knowledge. Uh, years and years ago, somebody told me there's two ways of finding out the knowledge, like learning. One is go to go to the retail or the other one direct to the manufacturer. Mm. So to me, directly to the manufacturer, I guess, just by looking at the skies or deep, deep involvement with nature and awakening the memories within us. This is first, first-hand knowledge. That's, that's how I learn, much more than a book written by someone else who could have accumulated that knowledge from somewhere else and the other one from somewhere else. I mean... Books are amazing. There is a lot of knowledge written in them and accumulated from here and there and everywhere. But there is other ways of learning too. Not yeah. just through other people's work. Got it. Ashura, there are a lot of people leaving Nala. And most of the people from Nala are not in Nala, obviously. How does that make you feel? And what are you wishing for Nala? Ideas, how to keep this Nala experience alive? Well, it's definitely not the most exciting thing in life to have seen Nala fall to this level of people abandoning. A lot of people have left, but still, let's let's see it from the different perspective. There is still a lot of people living here yeah. in Nala, right? My future hopes and wishes for Nala would be if more people were to come back, if people of Nala or from other places would have come and join us here in this community. That would be amazing. 
Just for the listeners that don't know, Nala is not one village, it's a region, and it has seven villages? It has eight villages. Eight villages. Yeah, eight villages, all near to each other, within five-minute distance, except for two of them, they are uh, a bit further. Chemir Rabatke and Meruke, they are about 25, half an hour. And there are not a lot of um, youth here. Because there are also, there are no job opportunities here, right? Not many job opportunities because of the nature of the place, really. There are very few businesses here that we've just started to open some tahini factories. Yeah. yeah, we've started another one here. There's one in Galia. There is one in Rabatke. Uh, and there is a bakery opening, as you saw there. I mean, each of these businesses can employ what? two to three people, but in a larger scale. The way the economy works here is a bit different because it's the same people. It's a closed culture. It's not, we don't have many people coming in and interacting or we don't go out. And so it's, um, it's a tricky situation, really. But people still make, uh, make life, make life. Life still exists in Nala and it's wonderful. And how is your daily life here in Nala? What do you do? How do you start your morning? And with what are you going to sleep? Basic, really. Basic structure of waking up, cold showers, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as you know. Um, making fires, uh, helping friends who do farming, like rice and sesame season is just over now. They were good. Chopping wood cooking, playing music, hanging around with neighbors and friends, talking about things. This is, this is like, this is the life, life of a village, you know? Yeah, I don't deal with technology as much as I used to. Like, I don't use computers. I have a phone that I use, but it's not even a phone. It's just internet. If there is a Wi-Fi, I can connect, uh, upload things, share with friends and family of what we do here. We, we're constantly working on many things with people all over the world, really, about how to push things forward from all fronts, whether it's music and poetry, film, design, uh, learning about cultures, indigenous cultures, language. So there is a lot of that happening here as well. So I was more active last year in terms of language. Uh, well, this year too. But more last year when I was teaching English by by the river, I had five students, oh, wow. so I would teach English by the river and they would teach me a Syrian in return. And I need to sign up for this. Yeah, that was amazing, actually. We need to do more of that. Obviously, now we're working on bringing about a night or two or a few nights a week or evenings where people can gather and be a, a gathering of sharing and skill learning about weavings and making jewelry or language and music. We're creating a small home studio as well. We play guitars, we sing. Being you know. creative in every yeah. different way, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, you've seen, since you've been here, you've seen some jewelry being made, you've seen... Yes, and uh, your beautiful wife, Ashtar, how yes. we call her, or Julia... She's really talented in that, and she really respects and wants to preserve these things. I'm, I'm, I'm just so in love with her. 
Yeah, she's amazing, actually. She's, um, there you go. She's a great example of what, what Assyrian is. You can become an Assyrian. She have became an Assyrian, you know. She speaks, she at least trying. Her surat is better than mine. Definitely. Just for the listeners, she's not born in Assyrian. She's Canadian. Um, Asha found her in the Canadian woods, to keep it short. <laughs> and she's living here in Nala and... If you see her engaging with the local people and practicing the weaving and farming, it's just, <sighs> I'm so in love with her. You're Me so too. lucky. And you. <laughs> yes. Um, but touching on what you said, technology, that's a good bridge to talk about your social media activities because that's where people really get to know you. The great Kasrani on Facebook and Instagram, and you're capturing the life in Nala, you're capturing the fruits that you're eating in that exact moment, and just give people a glimpse of this life as a villager. But at the same time, you're not into this whole technology, media stuff. How do you, how do you balance that? Do you ever struggle with this connection? I want to be in here in this moment, but social media is also distracting right uh not really you know years ago i remembered how our families used to say for example wednesday we take shower wednesday is the shower day or uh, f uh, saturday is the cleaning of the home day or something you know so many times i used to say okay tuesday is the internet day you know you can just use it on a tuesday mm -hmm. or you specify a time for it. Doesn't have to be with you all the time and and, and be on the internet. Uh, I love the internet. I love uh, making videos. I love posting things to save it there, since I don't have any hard drives and computers these days. So I use these social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram to save pictures. I love taking pictures, making videos. I save them on there and. People happen to like them too, so that's another great thing. Sharing uh, the life that we live here, sharing it with the people, and and maybe inspiring few to come back. A few have done basically have come, and based on what they've seen, that we share from here. There's another page about the Assyrian Nala village, uh, the Assyrian villages of Nala, yes, and the work that. I do. A uh, few people have come here purely because they saw that, you know, like, oh, I've seen this and I've always wanted to come and see you guys. And eventually bring them back here. Um, this is the thing. We, we, we can't say, we can't say to anyone not to live here. And mm -hmm. we can't say to anyone, you must come back here, really. That's why we have to have our own free will of, choice of being as a sovereign human being however we can share observations and findings and a, a practice that if it inspires few people to come back that's great but one thing i can certainly by now understand that it's important to come back even if it's for a, a week mm -hmm. that gives you ideas it's important to come back for a week or two or a year or a day if, if anybody uh, wanted to find out about their roots, it's a great opportunity to come back to where your parents or grandparents are from and find out and 
And we are here to help and make it easy for anyone wanting to come back and join and help in the community or just come and help themselves or we help them, you know. How can you help? Because see, as a Westerner, we think, okay, let's go to the homeland. Let's bring some foreign money, uh, donations, let's collect it and come here and then help all these people uh, with all their needs. And you're saying we going to help you. What do you mean by well, that? Well, going into a community, why do we always assume that these communities need help? We don't know really until you go inside the community to see what kind of help they need as well. You know, you can't just uh, at, the, at the surface assume that people need money or they need some sugar and, and oil that we need to go and give them. Reality can be slightly different. And if they need it, at one place that doesn't mean they need it everywhere so everyone's needs could be different basically coming into a community you are helping yourself and the community will help you get away from the mindset that you've accustomed to that you gotta work hard to have food and shelter take care of individual needs and don't worry about anything else and you must uh, thrive and you must become better at this and at that and, and they specify the things you got to be better at here it gives you time for you to look deep inside yourself and self-realize and, 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 and find where you need to be better at, at the, the things you need to be better at so this is the help you receive from the community the help you receive from community here is the comfort that the community gives you, the no pressure, the non-demanding. Just by your presence, you're making everyone happy to start up with. You've been here a few days, you've seen how people are so happy to invite you inside their yes. homes and, and sit down with you. Fresh and, bread everywhere. Yeah, fresh bread and people will feed you and... And if you passed out at their house, they will even cover you, not to get cold. <laughs> and uh, people constantly asking each other, what do you need? How can I help you? With, with what can I get involved uh, in, in, in your life? So this is what I mean by the community can help you too. Community is here to help and support you. To the people that you said, if they come here and what can we help with, we help them with what they need helping with. For example, for example, if you're like um, in the West and you find in yourself to be lonely and less supported by a community that doesn't exist, maybe something is missing from your life, you're not feeling your true inner happy self, then I think places like this will help you to be in nature somewhere with your community and People will help you at least be in, on a level of finding what's, what needs to be done in your life. So it's like a retreat type thing. You can take some time out from life and this is a good place to be at. Asha, I want to talk a little bit about your other talents because you have so many. You rap, you write songs in surahs, uh, poetry, you create own medicine... But um, focusing on the poetry and singing part, what made you interested in this whole? Yeah, I love this actually. It's uh, 
performing. I've always uh, loved singing and dancing and performing and like uh, creating entertainment. So in terms of uh, writing poetry, I think the people I grew up with and the environment were always so supportive. We always had collectives of brothers and sisters making events, appearing at festivals, doing doing a lot of gatherings that were surrounded by performing arts, whether it was like magic and music and fire spinning, poetry reading, rapping, singing, all of these things. And just by nature, I guess, that's that's one of the things I feel very natural at is to it's to tell poetry and sing songs, I guess. Do you have a piece that you could perform for us? Yeah, of course. Um, there is a piece that I wrote many years ago called Ana Iwan Ashur, Poryat Dunye. Ana Iwan Hawa Shilya, Dnesiana Parmeta, Tilesira Mancheta Diana. أمر زباني قولتا إنا خخا جاي صالا بلناشي تخسنايا أخينا أرزا بسراوة أبزق طالق أخونا برناشا منشوية أصلا وإقارة تلاخ المردوتا بنيتا الجبارة كمظلم يوماريروتا ما سيناشا الشاتي هل تكال الأقل وآمر Aha ar'a itla marwate. Gzi ar'ad ashur hichle atya lzwana umzabone uzbata uchkama. Sab'ana u ati uninus u ishtar u sergun itun shopa tama. Uppin jarbi khine psepa u lebe u dugle khakmila peshi denane. Yen lacha, yen gushmeya perila. Ina le burlapaish, o a pretkalet elle, itle erbel diane. Haslo te krita, tulha dukte schlita, malia tarane. Kulhamane tare, mesaklach gushmeya, belkechwe usara. Matit al nirgal, nibu, ninurta. اشتر ليلة لازم ازت خزيد نبيرو سبدولي اون لختايا مني ميوي خبراني بالسيمي قغزايا وشمايا ان بدخت ان دموخوخ وريشت ديا خزيد لكولا شرارا ايدوخ دوقت شرايا قد ايوت اشورايا ولخ من شورايا Wow. Okay, let's talk about the meaning. Did you understand some of that? Of course not. I don't speak Surat, but I felt it in every... Oh, that sounded so like, of course, yes, of course not. I felt it. Amazing. I saw you feeling it. Yeah. I, I felt you feeling it. Yeah, I kept smiling to you. <laughs> Amazing. That kept me going too. Tell me about the meaning. Instead of saying what that was about, I may as well just say the translated version because I wrote them one year apart. First, uh, English. And a year later, the Assyrian version came by itself. Okay, go ahead. And 
I did not sit and translate a poem. Wow. It just came the whole thing like boom. In English, it goes like this. I am Ashur, light of the universe. I'm gentle breeze of knowledge and understanding based on forgetting the self and merging with the surrounding. But at times I land among people who hate and fight each other. A man will deny and even kill his brother. Man forgetting his, nat his nature and dignity, destroying the birthplace of knowledge, love and humanity. How much pain and bitterness can a man swallow before he can stand still and say Babylon is hollow? You know, the ancient land of love, knowledge and humanity we should sustain and maintain. Not see it becoming victim to personal gain. But don't worry, the land you stand on has its own fate. A touch of magic will turn any spot into Stargate, and that's your door to go mingle with the stars. Visit Neptune, Venus, Mercury, and Mars. No need to visit Pluto as he's on his way here, bringing good news to our eye and ear. And if you wake up and get conscious now, it's pretty obvious and clear. Oh, thank you so much, Asher. We're... Reaching an end, unfortunately, there is a question that we always ask at the end. We have listeners from all over the world. Is there something that you want to tell them? Thank you for uh, allowing me this opportunity, Jesse. Yeah, I would say peace, love and kindness to each and every listener out there. And if I may suggest and actually i'm honored to be in a position to have been asked by you to to pass a message so i may as well say we are here on the land of our ancestors ready to help anyone willing to find out more or come here like you said what we could help them with we could help with whatever we can and whatever they need and if their need happen to be what we can help with we would be delighted to do so we can at least provide you with food and shelter if that can help to start <laughs> up with uh, and show you around uh, I would say come pass a visit is very important it's very important to know your roots inwardly and your past and where our ancestors come from so come and find about the land of your ancestors come and find about the culture come and find about the traditions what happens here come and find it for yourself come and excite these people by your presence come and be excited by these people's presence and learn as much as you can about your language your culture and your history it's very important and it's never late it's never too late it's very important you learn about your who you are where you're from why you're here to then be easy to pass it on you know to the next generation and so on thank you so much Asher I want to also thank take you. this moment to just say thank you for always welcoming me here and really letting go of all the stress and the work and just connecting and for all the wisdom that you share with me. So thank you so much for that. Pleasure. I would say let's sit by the fire because I'm freezing and let's eat some fresh tahin. What do you yes. think? Yes, yeah, yeah. Let's go to um, 
Let's go to Tachin, Tachin factory. Let's go and see where the Tachin is made. And, and Aini, let's go. There. Yes, please. Yalla, and to you listeners, come, come to Nala. Come to Nala. Push on Pshana. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, help us out by sharing it on social media or telling someone about it. We appreciate all of your support for the Serum Podcast. Thank you and we'll see you next week.